Hi there, um, my name is John Teague and you are in the horse's mouth. Welcome to another episode. Um, today, I'm in Los Angeles. Um, good to be here, still a bit jet lagged. I uh, had the great fortune of speaking to a good friend of mine, David DeSantos, and I hope you enjoy our chat. Um, I, I, I'm jet lag, I, I usually don't get slammed by it and I have been slammed slammed i'm up till three every morning and you know trying not to sleep in because it's just like how do you break the spell um but i was so jet lagged the other day when i went to go and get these stands these microphone stands for the uh for the podcast because i didn't bring the stands blah 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 and uh anyway i was in there I was talking to the guy i got the stands i said thanks i paid for the I paid for the stands and I turned to walk. He said goodbye. I was going to say goodbye. I didn't, you know, I was just out of it. And I went, then I was like, I, I like to say ciao. Ciao's kind of cool. Ciao sounds fun. I like saying ciao. I went to say ciao. I was so out of my fucking head. I just said cow. I said cow. And I wasn't looking at him when I said it. And I realized that I said cow, not chow. And I just could I couldn't turn around. I didn't break stride. I just thought, just go, walk, pretend like you said cow on purpose. And I just all the way down the stairs just going, cow, fucking cow, what the fuck? And I was just thinking, what the fuck? That guy must be thinking, did that guy just say cow? Like, is that some strange Australian thing? Anyway, um, that's weird. It's all weird. It's all great. Um, hope you enjoy the chat with David. Um, yeah. You All right. Just, See you on the other side. Wow. Wait till you hear two hours of crap. A complete and total barfarama. All of the adult film, the entire adult film industry, which was all non-union um, crews, had nowhere that they could get their film developed. Enter United Color Lab. So United Color Lab, and maybe there was another one or two, had a monopoly on color timing and doing the editorial for the adult film industry. And I use the term adult film industry because it wasn't labeled porn, Mm. wasn't really labeled pornography until, I mean, I'm sure they, they... called it porn but it wasn't it wasn't known as the porn industry right well you haven't we uh, people were, back then weren't cropping words as much as we are now maybe. right with abreaves <laughs> yes. yeah no but also it was pornography uh, it was uh um Ron, you know that there was this guy Skin president flicks. president uh ronald reagan oh, who, yeah, yeah he was the president of the united states here yeah. in, in the united states of america and um and he had this guy named edwin meese Edwin Meese was the attorney's general, right? Or he was a senator. Doesn't matter. But he started a thing called the the Meese Commission on Pornography. And, uh, and were they pro or super against? Yeah. <laughs> like they just wanted to destroy it. You had like you had Jerry Falwell, who was the leader of the Christian right, and he was he was this 
minister that was preaching that it was so these guys are coming for your mom yeah for the most part for the yeah and well but this was prior this is before about four years before they showed up the Mies commission which was around 1983 1984 my mom's just an assistant at this color lab and the bosses at the color lab were like you know we're we're developing all the film here why don't we like raise some money and make it? And if we shoot the films ourselves, we can develop it here. We have the entire editorial department here. We can cut the negative. We can do all the things we can do in house. So someone gave them some money and they started to uh, produce a few movies. And um, somehow my mom was like, yeah, well, I'll go answer the phones there. And um, so they went out to uh, Chatsworth, which if any of your listeners know, is the porn capital of the world. It's in the valley and they had a warehouse there. And I don't have many memories of that warehouse, um, but I did come to find out many years later. Is that where Vivid is when you're driving through on the one? So that would just be like Universal City. Yeah, yeah. Um, No, but Chatsworth is... Do you know Northridge, Chatsworth? Okay, Van Nuys. Yeah, it's off the yeah, yeah. Chatsworth and Northridge are. Well, there was a place out in Van Nuys that Gunner used to get his motorbike. That's, um, that's okay. Service that. There yeah. you go. Yeah. There you go. Good old Gunner. Oh, I miss Gunner. Yeah. Uh, Chatsworth is even farther than Van Nuys, but the second office that they that my mom's company had was in Van Nuys. Um, and, and and anyway, to make a long story longer, um, they started to produce it. And then somewhere around 84, 83, 84, they realized that the real money was in distribution. Uh, And that's what the Mies Commission was trying to break down, Mm -hmm. was that you had a lot of these uh, Bible Belt states where pornography was still illegal. And so if you wanted to cross, if you want, if you were selling, if pornographers were selling their movies to Mississippi, you had to get it to Mississippi, but by any means necessary, right? Like you had to figure out ways and paying people off. It was very much like bootlegging. bootlegging. Yeah. I mean, it was essentially the bootlegging of the eighties. It was a, it was a, and, and it was the wild west in a way. And, 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 uh, I'm sure the mafia and all sorts of people would have been. Yeah, they around. were. Yeah, yeah, the the Cleveland mob was was uh, was doing their thing, and they were connected to one guy. There was one guy in the valley. I'm not going to name his name, but my mom always used to talk about this guy. Yeah, did you ever meet him? I never met this guy, yeah. but but my mom did date um, this guy who was an accountant did for his, him. Did his name start with E? It didn't. Oh, okay, uh, but my mom. Oh, yeah, the guy that my mom dated started with an E, yeah. Oh, well. That was such a strange question. Yeah. Because I'm trying to work out who the guy is. And the one guy that I'm thinking. You wouldn't know who the guy is. Yeah. yeah. It, it was just, he was just a guy. Um, he was a guy that ran uh, a bunch of the Pussycat Theaters and a couple of strip clubs here. And he was the guy who was. He owns a lot of nightclubs as well? Not uh, anymore. Not He's who, very much gone. But who he used to own nightclubs? No, 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 no. Tied no. to the Wonderland whole thing. Oh well, uh, I, I don't, I don't know about that. I, I don't, I honestly don't know if he was. But anyway, the guy on. that my mom yeah. was um, affiliated with 
was a guy named Ed. And Ed wore really nice suits all the time. And Ed was just this accountant. That's all I knew. Yeah. Right. He was just an accountant. Yeah. And he flew us to New York a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And he took us to dinner. Uh, it was fancy. Yeah. Super fancy. He had like the the collar and the tie and the thing. And he was tall. And he, yeah. he was a Jew. He, he was he was like a, he was a Jew. Uh, we're Jews also, but he was like a, a, a wealthy Jewish accountant that would fly us to New York, right? It was very... How old were you? Uh, it was 1983, 1984. I'm eight. I'm eight, eight and a half, nine years old. Yeah. Um, it was fancy. Dude, that's awesome. You would have been... really great. And it wasn't until many years later uh, that I found out that Ed... Uh, had been brought up on uh, grand larceny charges in front of the Supreme Court, um, and he had perjured himself in front of the Supreme Court because of a court case against the guy who was connected to the Cleveland mob. Mm-hmm. And he was actually one of three money launderers for the guy who Got we it. won't we won't name. No, we won't. And I had this moment where I was like, "Fuck!" My mom was banging around with a mobster. Like, essentially, right? Yes, yeah. he's an accountant. Did he carry a gun? Probably not. Did, right? It might have been in the trunk. There probably was one yeah. somewhere, yeah. or he yeah. had a he had a thing, one of those sticks or something that yeah. he would... But, you know, I, I it was at that moment, because my mom's been gone for many years now, where she got cooler and cooler as I've gotten older and older. I was like, fuck, you know, because we always think... I watch my nephews growing up right now, yeah. and uh, and and I th- and I feel like my nephews think that their mom, uh, my sister, is uh, not cool, right? Because it's their mom, of course. And I kn- I am the cool uncle because I'm an actor, so they do think I'm cool. But they yeah. definitely don't think that their mom was ever cool. They can't. I mean, you got a few tattoos and shit, right? You know, yeah. And my mom's pretty. My, my, her, their mom is pretty tatted. And, okay. And uh, but even my mom, I never. I mean, I, I thought she had a funny job, and I thought it was kind of cool, and everyone really liked her. Do you knew? You knew? Yeah, I had a box of. She would pick me up from school at um, eight, set eight, and I would do my homework in a, in the warehouse, uh, and I would help box tapes when I was like done with it. And now, like, if I were to go back to the warehouse, yeah, now mm-hmm. forty three years old, same warehouse, the one in your imagination, yes. In my imagination, well, the one that's there presently the, today. Well, that, that that brings up a great point. If I were to go to the one in my imagination, yeah, it was the biggest warehouse filled with porn. Yes, top to ceiling, everywhere. Let's turn this off. We'll go there now. <laughs> <laughs> if I were to go there now. If we were to go there, yeah. we would walk into probably what is a garage. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I totally do, man. And yes. I'd go, oh, it's there's nothing here. But what I but I what I remember though is um, there were thousands of tapes, thousands. But my mom's company only produced only uh, nine movies, but they distributed about. 89 right because they picked up smaller companies catalogs but the nine movies that they made 
can I give them the titles for your listeners? If I'd love like. it. Yeah, there's Ladies in Lace yep. starring... Um, uh, Linda Lovelace? No, 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 no. A Tracy Lords from, if you can remember back in the day. Hmm? No, go on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Christy Canyon and Bunny Blue. Oh, yeah. and Sherry St. Clair. She was in that. Who was your favorite at the time? Do you remember? Ginger Lynn and Tracy Lords. Ginger, it was really Amber Lynn. Amber Lynn was in one of my mom's movies, and Amber and Ginger were like the, the sugar and spice of porn. Fantastic. Did you make them? No, but my mom would always go to the 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 what they was called the CES shows, the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas, and and the, and it still is there still is one today, and there'd always be a a porn section, and my mom would come back with um, autographs for me because her there would always be a booth of her company there. Yeah, she came back with one from Amber, and she would she she and it said it was this black and white of Amber wearing um like a workout leotard, and her hair like was frizzed out like the 80s awesome she's so beautiful yeah. and uh, the the autograph said dear david i'm the girl that mom warned you about p.s don't listen love you tiger love amber have you still got it i can't find it anymore they're gone i went through a period at one point where i was like i gotta purge myself i gotta get i, I now no more porn yeah i, I know that purge right i'm never gonna watch <laughs> this again <laughs> Never gonna watch this again. I'm not gonna touch myself. I'm not gonna look at it. No. This is bad for my third eye. Because, <laughs> well, but see, you have to remember, like the stuff that's going around now, you can't unsee some of the stuff that exists yeah. now. Then, they were these movies, like Ladies in Lace, is about a group of wives who are really um, beautifully bored with yeah. their uh, with their husbands and. They have a a, a a lace dildo party. Oh, yeah. Right? And yeah. So they, they can, right? And then that ends with a big orgy at the end. And then there's like too good to be true. So there's a journey. There's actually like there's a, an arc. a through line. An arc. <laughs> right? Yeah. Too good to be true is a story about Peter North. Um, he inherits his uncle's ranch, right? Or he is a rancher and he and his uncle dies and he inherits the family business and Ginger Lynn shows up to uh he or he leaves the ranch um and he shows up at this house and he turns out that his uncle ran a a um a a a bordello if you will. Uh, a whorehouse if you will. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. And the madam of the house is Ginger Lynn and yep. and so Peter North now runs this business protecting the girls and it's a love story it's a coming of age love story yeah so um, okay i'm just gonna i've got to ask these questions did you meet john Holmes? john Holmes. he was already gone he was gone yeah he was already gone Darn dusty. i don't know when he i don't know when he was when he like officially passed but he was definitely not in the in 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 the the um zeitgeist of of porn anymore he was mm. already gone at the time that i was um yeah really watching yeah <laughs> the stars were uh truly i mean they were household names right it was ginger lynn amber lynn nina hartley tracy lords um the guys i mean i, I couldn't even name you a, a male porn star now but at the time there was Tom Byron and Harry Reams, and uh, Harry Reams was like the Burt Reynolds of porn. You know, he had the big, thick mustache and the and and the hairy chest. He was like the man. What about the man. hedgehog? The uh, Ron Jeremy. Ron Jeremy was around, and Ron Jeremy was always 
kind of weird. He's uh, fucking weird. I don't just understand weird how he's a creepy. Star. Well, because he he's got a like he had an eleven inch cog. <laughs> I'll never forget. I had a I I went and had like a really impromptu Passover seder with a friend of mine over at Greenblatt's on uh, on on Sunset. And I look over and, uh, and 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 there's Ron Jeremy having dinner, having a, also a Passover seder with a friend of his. And, and afterwards, I I just I went up and I was like, I can't believe I'm gonna ask this, but can I can I get a selfie with you, Ron? Like. And he's absolutely. I, I have it somewhere. <clears throat> I'll send it to you. Uh, please do. Yeah, it's really. Yeah, I want it's, it. It's a great picture. I might use it for the little thing on this. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll give you a different picture. But no, that could be that. Yeah, sure. It's fantastic. Um, but there, you know, there's more story. My mom was in the. Uh, let me also say this: my mom never went on set, the entire time that she ran this company. She thought it was weird. Like it kind of made her super nervous because at the root of it, she was just this. She fell into it. She just fell into it. And she was a single mom. And we went from living in a two bedroom apartment to living in a, you know, well, we we ended up moving into a, a three bedroom condo in not the nicest part of town, but it was a condo, right? And my mom owned it. Yeah. And 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 uh, she went from driving um, a 1980 Honda Civic to driving a Cadillac. Right, awesome. we had a Cadillac for a little while, and she, and all she ever wanted, all she ever wanted was a convertible, mm. and she got a Chrysler LeBaron convertible. Oh, Right, mm. 1985 Chrysler, 1985, 1986, 1986 Chrysler LeBaron convertible, which was like this metallic red and <clears throat> probably a piece of shit now. But all she ever wanted was a convertible, right? Yeah. Well, it's California. Yeah, man, and and she's a porn producer. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like right? big hair, big glasses. She had the big glasses. She had a. She. I don't have a. I don't have a picture right now. I don't think anyone on a podcast can see the picture, but. But she had a big, a big uh, red curly hair, big, just big curls and big glasses and super cool. And and I grew up in the porn industry, but I didn't know I grew up in the porn industry until I got older. Mm. Does that make sense? It does. Like I knew that my mom made these movies and I knew that I was in a warehouse and I knew that I was boxing tapes. I knew that I was stealing tapes <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, I would yeah. hide them under the driver's um, seat. seat and I would uh, I'd wait till we parked the car and we would have dinner and then I would go downstairs and I would pull it out from underneath the, the seat and I would run it upstairs and I would put it in my box of porn and every three you months you must have had a pretty good box I did have a great box and every like four months I would throw them all away I would dump the whole box away Clean I'm never going to touch these again and then I would start up a new box yeah. you know and um, amazing I mean, and I can I I can I'm imagining them right now. There are a few scenes from a few of those movies that will stay with me for the rest of my life. Right from Trashy and Trashy Lady was the one that made uh, Trashy Lady uh, is the story. Of, it's basically Pygmalion in the adult film industry. Right, what you know Pygmalion, right? My Fair Lady. It, uh, it's it, it's about a a, a guy who. Um, is trying to teach a, uh, another girl how to be proper, right? Uh, pretty woman. Pretty woman. It's exactly that, right? Uh, 
trashy lady, mm. um, a mobster in the twenties falls in love with the cigarette girl at the his local club, played by Ginger Lynn, and he's like, "Who's that?" Now and that's Harry Reams. Harry Reams like, "Who's that guy? Who? Where? Where she come from?" And, uh, and uh, she's just off the bus, blah, whatever, you know. Yeah. She's like, "Damn, I gotta get me a hold of her, right?" And so he enlists the help of. His, this is the narrative in the porn. This is the narrative. This is the story. So it's acting. Now, I'm going to pause you for one second and Please. say, in this porn fiasco, when did you know that you wanted to become... A porn star? Yes. <laughs> a performer of sorts. <clears throat> or did you not? I didn't want to be in porn. I know that. <laughs> But I well no I, I don't know that actually. Uh, well, I I uh, it's funny because right so my grandma's a film editor, yeah. <clears throat> my dad was a film editor. He was a, a film editor on um, TV show. Um, what was the movie that he that he did? Uh, he was the assistant film editor on Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, directed by Leonard Nimoy. Right, and everyone in our family is in post production. Yep. Everybody. Mm -hmm. And if I wanted to go into post-production, I would have had a life carved out for me. Right? I, I, mm -hmm. right? I would have been, I could have interned with some unbelievable people. I could have apprenticed and I would have just had a, I wouldn't have had to go to school. It I wouldn't there. have had, I, it was there. Yeah. I wouldn't have had to go to the USC film school. I wouldn't have, I, I would have been sort of pedigreed into a easier life. <laughs> <laughs> And David, somewhere, David, yes, I understand. All right, keep going. Yep. But then it was, uh, you know, I was going to say that it wasn't around the same time, but it was probably around 1983, uh, 1983, 1984, 83. Um, I'm boxing pornography and, and uh, uh, I'm in a production of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. At school. At school. Fantastic. Do you bet you thought about turning that into a porno? Here's my question. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a really good or that's a, that would be a normal orgy now. I'm sure it's right? been done, seven yeah. dwarfs and a, and a snow and a midget. Since you know me, mm. um, what what dwarf do you think I played in in this production of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs? Uh, I, I to be honest, don't know. Them. All, 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 but you know, like a couple of them, you could probably even name the one that I was. No, no, you don't know any of them. No. They're off the top of my head. Can I, if, I, if I name them to you, will you? Can you sort of surmise which one I was? Let's play this game. All right. There was Bashful. Yeah. And now, don't answer which one it was until I give you the names of all seven. Just like what happened in the car for you right. earlier today. Right. I'm just going to give head. all the information first, and yep. then and then you can deduct. Yep. There's Bashful. <laughs> sleepy. Sneezy. Dopey. Grumpy. Doc. Who's the seventh the seventh one? You're telling the fucking story. I was told to sit on my hands. <laughs> wait, do you want to quickly search and find out who wait No, no, we're not doing that. Dopey, sleepy, but sneezy. As long as you've named your character, we're good. Dopey, sleepy, sneezy, bashful, happy, grumpy, doc. Those are the seven dwarfs. Okay, seven dwarfs. Yeah. Which dwarf was I? Grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> I was grumpy. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm grumpy. Yeah. 
in uh, in this riveting production of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And uh, all the dwarfs are sitting in seven chairs right downstage. Um, Grumpy's in the last one. And uh, I've got a basin of water on my lap. I don't remember what the why, but... And Snow kisses all of the seven uh, dwarfs. This is actually a porn. <laughs> and then she gets to me and she pushes my head into the water. And, uh-huh. and all of the audience laughed. And I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. This is it. This is it. Yep. That feeling of like being on stage. And I'm making people laugh. And I'm making people laugh because of a thing that I'm part of mm-hmm. or I did or someone did to me. Right? Like and I, you create a bit of magic. For a second, everyone's for a second, there. Everyone's there. Yeah. And you know, and 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 I <clears throat> that was it. You know? And uh and it's been a good life. So um, you did productions through school, or was that the only one? I was in another production of Cinderella or Sleeping Beauty. Okay, I got it. Your beauty or Cinderella, yeah, you both. Yeah, it was Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. because um, we our school was very progressive, so they were Gender um, bending. No, that was happening. What? No, no I'm kidding. But it's I'm happening kidding. now. Yeah, of course it is. Fuck, I can't believe it. Yeah, <clears throat> definitely wouldn't have been happening in 1984. In, like it's happening in, in rural Australia now. Oh, that's great. It is great, but it's so different. I, I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To what we grew up in. Sure, sure. I mean, it's exciting. Though, but I don't right? understand how people at that age understand who they are yet. I certainly have no fucking idea who It's funny. I was. There's this movie that's out right now that I, I can't talk about more called um, called Eighth Grade. Um, and it's uh, it is a it's a little work of art. Um, feature. Yeah. Feature directed. And again, I'm I'm a little older, so I didn't know who Bo Burnham was. I didn't know that he was this massive vlogger in the um, late 2000s. Right, 2009, I guess, 2010, and then he became a stand-up comic. He's only 25 years old, or maybe he just turned 26. This is his first feature, and a lot of the people were like, oh, how's, how's he going to, have you seen his stand-up? It's super weird, and he was a vlogger, but he was like super smart, and where's he going to come up with this movie? And then he made this movie about what it's like to be, an, well, what it's like to be an, an eighth-grade girl connected to social media and vlogging in today's age what a trip it's it's one of the most awkward movies and like painfully brilliant movies that you can sit through because we're able to then look at our own lives when we were in eighth grade and we were fucked even then Mm. and it's just different now because now there's maybe there's more communication or there's less communication or but there it doesn't feel as though everyone um, has to hide as much now but then you see that the movie's about the connection to social media well, and I you think go, it's more cerebral and we don't actually understand if someone was upset when we were, we knew it absolutely yeah yeah you don't know what's going on right I feel like now well I mean that's that's not true that's a brushstroke but sure the cerebralness of social media and the impact that it can have from just having a glance at your phone and then looking back to your current reality mm. is extraordinary. Mm. And then go I to mean, your room alone. Yeah. You know, like, I well, and I, 
it's funny because you can you can text 50 people in a day and be like, oh, I connected with all of my friends today. But then you think, I didn't talk to a fucking soul. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? And it's frightening how much you look at that fucking phone. Not you, I'm just saying. No, I mean, me, I... I, the we, the whatever. What are the, Collective. what are, uh, what, what pages do you have open in your Google history right now? You know how, like when you open up your Safari and you click that one thing and, and all of your, uh, 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 all, all of your pages that are open. Mm. So right now, <laughs> you want to know what mine are? This is dangerous. I'd love it. Yeah. Okay. One is a page for Judah Friedlander, the comic who is on, um, he was on 30, 30 rock. Yeah. So I was talking with some friends about um, his audition for The Office. Mm -hmm. Another is just some YouTube page. Another is the Inside Malibu's Unsolved Murder Mystery. I guess there's a bunch of murders that have been going on in Malibu right now. Are there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or there there have been a collection of so murders. So they're saying there's a serial killer in Malibu at the There moment. might be a serial killer or there's something that's going on in Malibu right now. Would it was in Hollywood Reporter like today. I, I saw your play on Sunday. Great. It was awesome. You were Thanks. amazing. I appreciate it. And I, I didn't know that play actually and it's a cool yeah. story. Yeah. Um, you really got the raw end of the stick. Thanks. Yeah. yeah thank you. Yeah. They, I don't want to give anything away to your listeners, but it's a shit that they, I die at the end. They kill me. You, you they murder me. It was annoying. Right. Yeah. Cause you were actually the hero. It turns out I was the hero. Yeah. An asshole, but a hero. Bit of an asshole, yeah. but I saved them. Anyway, look, I get away from it. And I told a friend of mine that I was going to Topanga mm. and she said, Oh my God, it's really dark up there. There's a lot of bad energy. There's the whole Manson thing and the murders and everything. And I didn't actually, then I went and Googled it later and I was like, fuck me. Yeah. Manson was, had a house up there. I didn't know that he had a house in Topanga. Yeah. I look at Google. It, it says, I wouldn't necessarily, I, I would no, say, I know, but yeah. like, anyway, I think it's a, well, now, I love it. I feel good up in there. Like, that's yeah, great it's energy. super therapeutic. Yeah. It's it's like super hippie and therapeutic. And no, I love it. Yeah, uh, that was a really cool experience going up in there, seeing you play, and then leaving on sunset along yeah. the coast. It was fucking beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And the sun, you know, is glistening off the off the ocean. And, oh, man. because you you've you've spent some time in the ocean, haven't you? A little bit. Had a yeah. surface day. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you did. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, Can I, let me get through this. Right. Uh, uh, the Malibu. The Malibu um, murders. Sorry. Yeah. Um, nationwide sale for Southwest Airlines. Because mm -hmm. uh, I've got a I've got yeah. a, a voucher. Yeah. And I was like, oh, maybe I should go somewhere. You should. And then a page of ass-licking gifts. What? Um, yeah, it's just a page of, of, of uh, you know, gifs, gifts, whatever you want to call them. Um, oh, well, you want to suck up to someone. Yeah. Is that what you call it? Okay. Sucking up to someone? When you want to, like, you know, schmooze them. Ass-kissing, ass-licking. What did you say? Ass-licking. Yeah. So actual porn. Oh, I wasn't going there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was, but I wasn't. But it's just funny. Mm-hmm. What are you looking at that page for? Well, because I was I sent a I sent a. Uh, Not that it's any of my business, David. Yeah, I was just. I may have texted a, a funny image, funny whatever, to, yes. to, to to a friend. Yes. I just think it's. I've got like. A, a Jewish stand-up comic writer. Yeah. The Malibu murder mystery. Yeah. And porn. On my phone right now. Yep. Right, right, right now. It was saturated. Just, it's right there. Yep. Just at my fingertips. Yep. You know, sorry about that noise. Handy porn device. Just my little handy porn. Goes everywhere. <laughs> and we've all got one. We're all clutching onto it. 
Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I, I went to uh, I went to the Hollywood Bowl um, with my nephews um, uh, this past week, and they were doing um, what were they doing? Playing softball. Yeah, they were just playing softball. No, they were doing uh, 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 Star uh, Star Wars: uh, New Hope and Empire Strikes Back with the oh, Philharmonic cool. playing the the whole score. Yep. Right. Um, uh, fifteen thousand people watching Empire Strikes Back on the big screens while the Philharmonic's playing the score, and uh, and and I was just looking at my little nephews, and um, before the movie, they were just in their phones, and I was uh, a little bit mm. too, and I just thought, my God, they will never know what it's like, what it's like to not have had yeah. this little pocket computer. Yeah, uh, and and I and I think about. I think about um, being a kid. You right? those trips to New York on the plane, right? You were so present to everything. Everything. When I was watching porn as a nine-year-old, like mm -hmm. I was really watching it. You had to set the scene. There was no like just handy. Just oh, I'll just watch it now here, there, or anywhere. It was a planned operation. It, what you really had to set things in order. <laughs> You couldn't, you weren't just walking down the street, yeah. just, you oh, know. ducking in this alley. Oh, no, no, you really had to set up the space. Yeah. Required, <laughs> required art direction. And yeah, who's home? <laughs> so, uh, funny, I would use to, I would, uh, I would fake, um, I would fake being sick. I would fake being sick and, uh, God, we're just talking about porn the whole, this whole time. But I would, yeah. I would fake being sick. And uh, I would stay home from school, and I would uh, I would watch The Price Is Right, which was on at nine or ten in the morning. Uh, I'd eat lunch. I would then call my mom, faking still being sick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would eat uh, Hungry oh, Man. God, I like I'm just feeling a little better. Yeah. yeah, I was able to put it. Yeah, I'm gonna have a little lunch soon. Yeah. And, and I would have uh, I would I would eat a Hungry Man, those like frozen those fried chicken frozen dinners, you know that are meant for dinner, right? And I would eat like three pieces of fried chicken and uh, mashed potatoes and yeah, and then I would just and then I would just watch porn all day long. Yeah. Which is not unlike what I think mo a lot of people do today. But, you know, well, I think that's just like the the teenage trajectory. Yeah, but I was like but you had it on tap. I had it on tap. Yeah. Really. I, yeah, I was like having kombucha on tap. It yeah. Was just yeah. Right. Just walk into that health bar. There's a kombucha, but just like, ready to go. The, yeah. yeah. So um, now, oh, fuck, I had a good one and I lost it. But you were doing the productions at school. You left school, and was it just like I'm going to go gun ho as an actor, or mm -hmm. I am going to fucking goof off here? No, it Not was it was in. basically that. Like, well, I went to a uh, and you're in the town for it. It's <clears throat> Los Angeles. Yeah, but I was I but you know, I'm a I'm I've a single mom. Um we didn't really have a lot of money. Um uh even though she had the job that she had, it afforded us. But that was that was from 1981 <clears throat> to 1986. Things changed a little bit in 87. The industry changed in a little uh, a little bit and um, but I got out of high school and I didn't know what the hell I was going to do and fucked around a lot as a teenager and my life was a little messy and I went to, uh, um, I went to, uh, a, a junior college and I took, um, 
took oceanography, decline of the Western civilization, and psychology. Fantastic. Right? I dropped oceanography on the first day. I sat in class. I remember walking in, and there yeah. was a whale painted on the class. And this is, this is like college students, right? And I'm yeah. sitting there. Teacher's talking about something, and I'm looking around, and I was like, what the fuck am I doing here? And I, I, I just, I walked out of the class and, and then I went and I talked to someone about dropping that one and I made it through decline of the Western civilization for about a week. I would love to go back. That's a fucking great, that's topic. a great class. Yeah. That would be great. I happily take that class today. Well, we're living it. We are. Anyway. That was very profound. That was Sorry. Good. Anyway, that was good. good guy. And then I, I stuck around in psychology for, uh, to the first test I may, and I thought I studied for the first test and I got a D on the first test and I and then I went and I dropped that and I was now a, you gave quote it unquote something. you thought you gave it something I did yeah. right? I made it through a test mm. <laughs> <laughs> but then I thought I'm a college dropout and then my mom saw this ad for the American Academy of Dramatic Arts there was one in New York there is one in New York there still is one here it's on La Brea yeah, I've seen that. Right? Yeah. Used to be out in Pasadena, and it was a much smaller location on the West Coast. The one in the East Coast had been around for fucking years, since 1905 or something. Some great actors came out of there. Conservatory, right? It's two-year conservatory training. You don't really get a degree, but you get, like, good training. And mom saw an ad for it somewhere, and she she was like, maybe you should go here. And, and 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 God bless her. She always fucking supported me. Like she she always was. If you want to be an actor, be an actor. I will I will love you. No, I will love you no matter what you know. Uh, but I did. I auditioned for this school and I got in. And uh, and I'm not gonna lie. I fucked around. Right. Well, that's what you do. I know, but it's funny. If I could go back now, I would have paid more attention in my yeah, voice class. Yeah, yeah. Right. I would have paid more. I loved a couple of the classes. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I was, a, I was good, but there were a couple that I went. Yeah. They were fucking teaching something that I could still be using today. This is a skill set. Absolutely. Yeah. And, 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 uh, but then they didn't ask me back for the second year. And that was like a real big shot to the ego. Mm. And I and I appealed it. Do you, do you uh, attribute that to you goofing off? Some of it, yeah, for sure. Yeah, because I think there was a, a tribunal of teachers. Mm. And I think one or two of my teachers were on that tribunal. Yep. And they were like, he's a fuck up. Yep. We don't need him here. Mm-hmm. And then this uh, teacher, Jennifer Parker. Uh, Jennifer Parker, who... Uh, was not my teacher at the time. She was going to be my acting teacher the next year if I had been asked back. But for whatever reason, she pulled me aside and she said, David, and she said the thing that adults tell kids and we want to punch them. But she said, this may not make any sense but today, but this is the best thing that could have ever happened to you. Oh, fuck. Right? Don't you want to uh, fucking punch? Like, God. who the fuck do you think? Dick. Right? Right? Yeah. <laughs> just fucking shove your fist in there. Yeah. I like, and I, uh, and, and she says, go find this woman named Ellen Gear. And Ellen Gear runs this theater company called the Theatricum Botanicum. They're out in Topanga. But she teaches these workshops. She teaches classical Shakespeare training. And, and um, go take them. And go intern at a theater. 
I said, okay. And I found an ad in Backstage West about the Theatricum Botanicum. This is what, 1994? And I took these workshops and Ellen, and I remember being in this class <clears throat> that now there's, uh, there's you know, the, the, the big, um, the Methodist church that's on Highland and, and Fountain, yeah. right, with the big, with mm -hmm. the AIDS ribbon on it. Um, that's where most of the classes were held in the church in there. And uh, I remember we were doing a scene study of this um, lesser known play called Hamlet. And uh, uh, yeah. Mm. Um, and she, we were talking about to be or not to be. Mm -hmm. And I'm 19 years old. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm. And she says, so what does to be or not to be mean? I, I didn't know. And someone says, well, it means to die or not to die. And I was like, wait, what? 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 So I started to study this a little bit more and I started to like, and then we, the scene that I was given was the, um, the balcony scene from Romeo and Juliet. And I really studied it and I was like, what is going on here? Right? This is like this poetry. There's a whole other fucking world here. And then I got, I started to dig in and I just found a home. And then Ellen hired me as an, they didn't, she didn't have an internship yet. Um, which is the, they, the theater now has an internship where it's like a training program, right? You get to be in the plays, but there's also a training program attached to it yep. as well as cleaning the bathrooms yep, and yep, yep. doing your part of sweeping. Becoming uh, part of the family yeah. from the and, ground and, up. And, and that's what I did before there was a, um, a, a format, if you will. And, and, and I, and, uh, and I was like the spear carrier in Richard III, and there was this actor named Milan Dragicevich who, uh, who played Richard, and I remember watching him. I remember, I remember being on stage a couple of times with him. I had, no, I, I had five or six lines in the play. The role is called The Scrivener, and he comes out in like two and a half hours into the play, and he says, he reads off of a parchment, hear ye, hear ye, Richard, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Those were my only lines in the whole play. Yeah, and you got to read them. And I got to read them <laughs> off a fucking <laughs> scroll. But how's the fuck, the osmosis, you're learning through osmosis by simply being there on stage. I mean, I remember, I remember, um, Rehearsals. I remember being on stage during the, what is now um, the famous Lady Anne oh, no, I'm sorry. It's the, probably a much better schooling than Matt doing the second year. I, listen, I... Um, I have a lot of friends. Would I? Would it have been cool to go to the Yale School of Drama? Yeah, that would have been super cool. Would it have been cool to go to Carnegie Mellon? Yeah, probably pretty cool. Juilliard? That's probably really fucking cool. I also don't have a $120,000 um, uh, student loan, and I've worked for 23 years with some actors who have taught me some fucking... Um, lessons in life I've watched how not to be I've I've worked with some actors that I've gone thank you for showing me what that negativity brings to a space and I, it doesn't mean I've been a a joy all the time but I've seen oh I remember um, there was this actor that I worked with all I ever wanted to work at was the Oregon Shakespeare Festival it was like a dream come true and so when I got to work there for three years and Probably before we met. Around You've the time just come back. I'd just come back. 
I was there 2008, nine and 10. And, yeah. and, 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 and that was a, Oh, it was a fucking dream come true. And I worked with this actor in 2008 named Armando Duran. And, uh, he, what a great name. Armando Duran. And uh, Armando, uh, whenever, whenever I told the people that I was going to be working with Armando, they were like, oh, he is the, like the mensch. He is the gentleman of all. He's the most giving, thoughtful, humble, caring. And so when I got to the theater, I, he had been brought up to be this brilliant warm inviting and if he exceeded everything that ever anyone ever even said i remember he would show up to work every single day and he would all now the role he was playing uh required that he wore slacks and a button down even at rehearsal um but he was he came dressed for work and he was always prepared he was a little bit older but he would always call the director boss not from a place of, and this was a friend of his, the director was the old artistic director of the theater, Libby Apple, and he would just come to rehearsal and he'd be like, hey boss, how's the day? And they would talk about the work and I would watch him and I would watch how he brought people in rather than pushed people away. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and I heard at some point, like, you can be a leading man or you can be a leading man. I heard the same thing. But did you though? Yeah, I know. A leading man or a leading man, right? Like if you put the emphasis on a different syllable. Say it again. Are you a leading man or a leading man? You put the stress on the lead, right? Like, yeah, I see what you're doing. <laughs> and, and I watched him and I was like, he is a leading man. He's leading people. He's bringing them yeah. together, and they're and and may, and even though he's the lead of the play, he's got everyone around him, and everyone is just as important as him. Mm. Even though he's got a lot of words and he's carrying the a heavy load, it was everybody. And 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 then conversely, I've watched leading yeah. men mm -hmm. where I've been like, "Fuck, you're a prick," and. And you're saying things in rehearsal that are pushing a lot of people away or you're creating division um, between the director and the cast or you're creating division between a fucking dresser mm -hmm. who are there to help you with a quick change because you believe they're less important because you're the leading man. Hey, look, I, I was talking to a friend of mine, I'm not going to say the friend or the show, Sure, but she was working on it and I've been watching it lately and she told me how two of the, there's a like, uh, it's surrounding a family. Sure, okay. And so one of the... Thankfully, that could be any show, which any, is good. Yeah, we're in families. Right, right. Figure right. it out. Um, the, 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 the son, mm. the, one of the lead characters was obviously a leading man, mm. you know, at bringing it together and was asked to come and direct one of the biggest episodes. Mm. And then the mother, who was one of the leading also, mm. when she rapped, mm. didn't get a single clap from anyone. Mm. And that's rare. Mm. So okay. mm -hmm. there's the two. Mm -hmm. So... And I just heard that yesterday. So it was hot in my mind when you were talking. I was like, yeah, there it is. That's just like. So fast forward. So you came to see my show yeah. last week. And now I'm the lead mm -hmm. in this play mm -hmm. at the theater. Mm -hmm. They gave me my first job ever. 
the woman who's playing my mother is the woman who gave me my first job, who asked me what is to be or not to be mean. And I have a responsibility there now because ultimately there's going to be, and I pointed him out to you. I showed you. There was like that guy right there, yeah. that actor who's. Oh, you're the one that was listening. He was looking super up the present. Office, young everything. Guy. Yep. Young guy, 21 years old, yep. super present, like in every scene. He even he has in no it. words. Yep. He is fucking in it. Yep. And I'm like, you are going to be in this forever. You have that thing. And I was like, that's me. Um, and, 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 and I, when I took the job, cause there were a lot of reasons to not take the job, right? Cause it's a long contract, not a lot of performances, not long the, drive, lo, pay drive. What if I get something else? Well, you know, and the thing is I have gotten a lot of other things and it's all worked out. Um, one of the, one of the main reasons why I said yes to playing this part was cause I thought, there's going to be a young actor who's going to, this is going to be his, his or her, but probably his first professional job. Looked like there was a few of them. There was about five or six of them that this is their first ever. A few of them, right, graduates from USC. They just came out and they've done some productions, but mm. like this is their, mm. this is their professional. We're out of school. Right out of school, 21 years old. Mm. Right? Doing it, we're doing it. And we're this in it. The start. We fucking we're we got cast at the Theatrical Botanicum, a union house in Los Angeles. I and we live in Los. Like this is, you know, and I and I thought I get to be a. I hate the word mentor. I don't want to say that, but I get to be an example. I get to be an example, um, a good example, and 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 hopefully I get to be like. A couple of the actors who have were examples to me. Mm. I have one. A, a friend of mine is in the play, and and I had a couple of moments during rehearsal where I, I didn't act out, but I did. There was some frustration because well, rehearsal. It is rehearsal, and um, and where I, you're working it out. Mm-hmm. I guess annoying. We didn't have a lot of time in rehearsal, mm. so things were really um, set in motion quickly. I can't believe how much dialogue you had to swallow. There's a lot of words. It's fucking phenomenal. I was mostly off book, mostly off book on day one of rehearsal because I had to be. There's yeah. too many words. Yeah, it's incredible. But but, and during rehearsal. I I was mo I was working the whole time. Maybe I would have a ten minute break, you know. Maybe yeah. On a few of the scenes, yeah, but I was yeah. there, you know. And I've learned. Um, I had a friend of mine uh, who's now on the Orville. My friend Peter Macon, um, we've known each other for years, and um, he he said, you know, the job of the uh, of the lead is to be the first one there and the last one to leave. Yeah. That's your job among many mm. but your job is as as the lead is your first one there last one to leave and, and I've mostly been the first one there and definitely the last one to leave because um, it's it's an example right you um, well it shows man like the performance was great thanks. I was super impressed thanks. and everybody that was leaving was smiling at you or saying goodbye and it showed a camaraderie camaraderie is then you don't get if you're an asshole you, you really don't you really don't, and and and, and um, I was gonna say I, I during rehearsal I had a couple of moments where I would I was frustrated, and and I do have one uh, one fr- dear friend in the play. We've known each other for uh, um, 
few years. And I would uh, text her after the, I was like, was I okay today? Did I say, should I have, mm. she was like, dude, you're good. Like we're, it's in rehearsal. You're bringing people up rather. You're not condemning anything. And I, cause I still, this was my first lead lead, like in a Shakespeare tragedy. It's a, it's a, it's a heavy, um, weight. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's one person, and I'm just going to cut you for one mm. second. There was a guy that I never understood of Shakespeare either mm. until school in New York. And there was one teacher called Sean Haggerty. Mm-hmm. And he did exactly for you, for me, what someone did for you. Mm. And he, the, 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 the cadence within the writing. Mm. And when you learn that little rhythm mm-hmm. and you can climb on in. Mm. But until you know that rhythm, it fucking may as well be Mandarin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, one of back. my jobs that um because uh, I've had some friends who are have a hard time with Shakespeare, they've come to see the show. And Coriolanus is it, it turns out to be one of the easier plays to understand, even though it's a little political at times, and you kind of there's so many names, and you but the story of a of a general who doesn't want to be, if you will, um, the head of the political regime of Rome he just wants to be a soldier that's what he knows he doesn't want to be liked by the plebs he doesn't he doesn't care about them because they're not soldiers he just cares about his the the the, the generals mm. and if i could just be there i i have my job that's what i'm going to do but now you want me to be um a politician and i have all these opinions but no one wants to hear my opinions can't I just have what I had? Why do I have to do this? But I'm going to do it in the best way that I can, which is not always for the commoners. It doesn't necessarily um, benefit them. All of this to say that, um, but at the root of it, there's also just this fam- this weird family drama going mm. on about a guy who doesn't have a father anymore, who is bound to his mother, um, has a weird relationship with his mother, has a weird relationship with his wife, has no one that he can actually like tell the truth to, and everyone else is just telling him how to act. People can understand that. Mm. And so I would have some friends come to see the show, and my job then was like, make sure everyone understands the play. Right? Like when you're communicating all of these lines in Shakespeare, it's for the audience. So, and if the audience doesn't understand, if the audience can't take the ride, then what are we doing here? Like what? Fuck! You just want to? No, but I love you. Found humor also. Yeah. And sometimes that's difficult to portray. I I uh, in the delivery of Shakespeare. It can. Yeah. I've I've again there. I've watched a couple of. Mark Rylance, if you know, Mark Rylance is one of my favorite actors, and and I watched him, um, I watched him do, uh, well, I watched him do Hamlet. Um, he was the artistic director of the Globe in London. I, I I didn't know who Mark Rylance was when I saw him play Hamlet, 
if I had known, oh my God, I'm seeing Mark Rylance play Hamlet, I really would have fucking examined the the production. Mm-hmm. But instead, I was just kind of like, oh, I'm in London, I get to see Hamlet. This is pretty cool. Yeah, and wow, yeah. that actor is fucking amazing. Yeah, what am I doing after this? Right. Um, but uh, I then seen him on stage a couple times. He was in Jerusalem on Broadway, which was fucking brilliant. But I saw him do Measure for Measure in an all-male production that came to UCLA here. And he played the Duke. And the Duke actually, I think, in Measure for Measure besides Hamlet, has the most lines in all of Shakespeare. And I had been in a production of the uh, of Measure for Measure, and there was never any humor in the play. A couple of, there's like a couple of clowns mm-hmm. in the play, and there's like a, um, there's this character, Mistress Overdone, who is a prostitute that can be super funny, and, but the play is not funny. Then I watched Mark Rylance play the Duke, and I've seen productions where I'm like, the Duke is like this throwaway part. Yep. And I remember going, oh, Mark Rylance, so he's probably going to play Angelo. Fuck yeah. It's one of my favorite parts in, in, in all of Shakespeare. And I saw that he was playing the Duke, and I was like, what? Well, I don't want to see him play the fucking Duke. It was a fucking revelation. I was like, oh my God, he never leaves the stage. Oh my God, he's got his hand in everything. Oh my God, he the Duke is the lead of this play. Why? And... He was clowning and funny and charming and witty and all of the things. And I was like, wait, I would look at the text. And if you go back, there's a couple of, there's a couple of things of him doing um, Richard II at the Globe. And you watch it. And I have since gone back with the speech in my hand, right, in the script. And I'll follow along and I'll be listening to him speaking the lines that I'm looking at. And I'm like... I yeah. feel like he's adding lines. Yeah. He's got to be, he's yeah. adding something because there, a life that, it, that, 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 that's not there. That's not there. Mm. And I'm looking at the words and I'm like, he's fucking doing everything. He's actually, what he's doing is he's following the roadmap perfectly. And the roadmap is leading him to this human portrayal of a man who everyone's trying to kill right whatever it is he's losing everything and and i'm and i'm but he also has this ability to make it so fresh and so modern but also he just follows the map right like mm. shakespeare it's it's a map and 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 i've never until this part i've never had a role where excuse me where i can like look at it and go Oh my God! If I just follow this uh, this journey, I don't have. I mean, I need to be prepared, but just get on the roller coaster. Yeah. And so, one of the re- this one actor, the one that I mentioned to you, mm-hmm. at one point, um, he he goes because I was tired. Everyone's tired, but like I would still, you know, um, muscle up, muscle up, right? And he said, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you're doing it. I don't know how, because he goes, he knows of a couple other, these other little side gigs that I had going on that I was juggling a lot. He's like, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how your voice is handling it. And I I said, you just do it one line at a time. Mm -hmm. I wanted to punch myself in the fucking face, right? Because, Mm -hmm. but then I sort of took a step back and, you know, it's one line at a time, one scene at a time, one performance at a time, right? Mm -hmm. And I can't worry about Mm -mm. act four, scene two, when I'm, I'm still in act one, scene one, mm-hmm. right? And so, but that's life 
though, Mm -hmm. right? Just stay in the moment. Say the words that are on the page. Go for the ride, right? Put one foot in front of the other. Just do the next thing. Listen to the next person. What's been happening lately with the play, we only have five left, which is really sad, but I finally feel, and we've been, we started rehearsal with this in April, right? I started preparing for it late January, Mm, right? So I've been living in the world, January, late January, February, March, every day, about three, four hours a day, just getting through it. Finally got to rehearsal all of April. We started rehearsal. Anyway, it's now what? It's almost September, Mm -hmm. right? We only have one more performance in August, on August 25th. Um, And then we have three performances in September, four performances in September, and it's over. This is like six months of my life. And, uh, and, 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 um, I just went off on a tangent, but I, um, I just lost my train of thought. But talking about, um, no, 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 you, you, oh, I'm finally now in there. I'm finally five months in going, the performance you saw, I got an email from one of one of the older cats in the play going, God damn you, you've made this so much fun finally, as a joke. Because not finally, but what he was saying was, we found some stuff. There's a rhythm yes. now in the play in where everything has settled down. I told my cousin, I went to dinner with my cousin who came to opening night, um, I was like, you got to come back. Mm. It's a different play now. He goes, but you were great on opening night. I go, but I wasn't. I, 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 I was, we, there's something drops completely. And then you know you're in. Mm-hmm. And the other times you go, I knew I was somewhere, but I wasn't in, in. And when you're in, you go, motherfucker, how could I have I been showing this to people? Yeah. Before I got here. I know. Mm-hmm. And now, thankfully, now we we are in that place and it's like... You could tell. I could tell. And we have like a few more left. You kind of go, okay, now we can even... Now we can go farther. Because mm-hmm. now we've got all the... Now we've got the, the, the that foundation to be able to just... I, I two, two shows ago, I remember thinking, um, this actor said this one line. And I had spent that moment... The whole moment after he said that one line, focusing my attention somewhere else, and then I would kind of turn. This sounds stupid, but two weeks ago, he said the thing, and I turned and I asked him the next question. I know this sounds so stupid, but when I came off stage, I was like, "Oh my god!" For three months, I never directed the. I never asked. Him the question. I would say the line facing somewhere. I never asked him the question. So cut to two weeks ago. I turn around just in the moment, mm-hmm. just cry. He says the thing, and I turn around and I look at him, and I had this moment where I was like, I've never even looked at him on stage yet for three months. Not because it wasn't important, but because yeah, they hadn't found that moment. It didn't. We make haven't sense even. To we haven't even that. found that moment. Yeah. So two weeks. Two weeks ago, I turn around and I say one line, how far off lie these armies? And he says within a mile and a half. But that tiny little moment was like, oh, we just solved another mm-hmm. fucking little crack. Tetris bang. 
that didn't even know it wasn't even there. Yeah. We didn't even know that it wasn't. And and now, um, another thing happened. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, another thing happened. Um, last week, where before I went on stage, I, I, I said to two actors, listen, I'm going to shake your hand here. Just uh, go with me. Mm. And uh, it feels nice to be like, okay, we don't have to worry about any of the things. Now we can just start living. And it takes a while. Yeah. Right? I, I, it, it, it takes a... Um, I injured myself. I, I, I sprained my knee two weeks ago in that performance. Um Five minutes after I had that moment with the actor, I sprained my, I sprained my knee and, mm-hmm. um, on stage and the noise made it, you know, a couple people heard it and it did pop. It did pop yeah. And, um, this one actor after the show, I'd iced it and I'm limping and, and he sort of pulls me aside. Also a younger guy. And he was like, I just thank you for, you keep stepping up. Like nothing is getting in the way. You, I, I heard the sound and I saw what happened and and I just was like, oh, we got a story to tell. Like we, we're yeah, still yeah. yeah, the vehicle, right? The thing happened. Mm. Got some ice. We're we're gonna be okay. I'm strength. I'm. It's the pain's mostly gone now, right? I'm, but what does it serve? This is what, again what I've learned from some of those. What does it serve me to complain about a thing? Um. Because as a leader, yeah, you know, mm. we had a day, um, we had a day th- a month ago, we almost canceled performance because it was supposed to be a hundred and um, well over a hundred mm-hmm. at showtime. Hi, it was 30, actually hi, 30s, 30, 32, 33, 30, I think even higher, probably 30, 38. Would that be really? about right? Fuck, I don't know. It's hot, though. Yeah, well, anyway, it was 116 degrees, which I think is about oh, that's 49. fuck, that's the 40, yeah, yeah, okay. 40s, okay, yeah. and at one o'clock in the afternoon, it was 109 in Topanga. So let's go yeah, 40 degrees. Yeah, it's warm. Just, I don't yeah. know. It's yeah. pretty, pretty, it's pretty warm. warm. Yeah. The night before, um, the night before, there had been this email chain that had gone around um, through all the union actors and um, the stage manager and talking about should we cancel the show. And, mm. and everyone was, uh, a couple people were like, maybe we should. And, and I kept my mouth shut. And, um, and I, and then, really? I, which is weird, mm. right? <laughs> towards the end, after everyone had weighed in, um, I, I said, we'll all be fine. It's about the audience. If the, if we, th- if management thinks that it's better for the audience, we'll be fine. We'll drink lots of water. Just be prepared. Just get us water. Yeah. It'll be okay. We'll sweat. Mm. Whatever. It's fine. It's just a play. You're sweating anyway. We're already sweating. Yeah. But if if the audience, if it's unsafe for the audience, then we have to talk about it. So it was decided we would do the show. And uh, and I said to this um, one friend of mine, uh, I was texting. Uh, I was like, I don't get to complain about the heat. It's hot. Yeah, we're all in it. We're all in it. Mm. We're all hot. Sweat, drink water, stay hydrated. But like, don't complain. Mm-mm. Because I've watched when you start, when you become the one that's complaining, then everyone else starts to complain. And then that poison starts in the middle and it starts to infect from out. I remember this one older actor. I was working in Kansas City on a, on a job and, and uh, 
he hated the set design of the floor. Mm-hmm. And he made it really well known to some of the uh, younger actors mm. about if we act on this floor, this floor, because of the, how, how shitty the design on the floor is, it can be nothing else. Right? Lighting is not going to make this floor look like a beach or make it look like grass. It's always going to be this weird symbol on the ground. I remember actors kind of looking around going, oh, yeah, it's weird fucking. But prior to him even mentioning it. No one fucking saw it. No one fucking cared about the floor. No yeah. one watched it. No one. Yeah. They just showed up because it was our first onstage rehearsal. Ah, flog. Some people got nothing better to do than fucking complain. Nitpick. Curmudgeon. Um, but, you know, again, like I, 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 I think uh, I was I was saying there were a lot of reasons to not say yes to the job, right? And I'm so glad I said yes. I'm so glad you said yes. This is a, like a, for you a full circle. It that was the thing at a point in your life when you're really working a lot. Yeah, hasn't you know I've yeah. known you for a while, and yeah. this seems to be the busiest that you've been, mm-hmm. and it's great. It's been really, it's been really busy. So it's a beautiful button. Yeah. Not a button, but and also a homage to where you sort of came, like gave you that first second start out of that lady saying, this could be the best thing that ever happened to you. I have to Shut reach out. Up. Shut up, Jennifer Parker, which I should, I don't even know how to find her. I don't even think she's on Facebook anymore, but it'd be really cool if Jennifer Parker, maybe she's listening to this podcast in Australia. Um, but Jennifer Parker, um, legitimately changed my life. And I never worked with her once, right? She wasn't even my acting teacher. She was going to, going, quote unquote, going to be an acting teacher of mine. She absolutely changed my life. And I'm just grateful that when she said, go to the theatricum and find Ellen Gear. Go to, go to the theatricum and find Ellen Gear and take a Shakespeare course from her. Lord of the Rings right, exactly. Yeah. Go go to the theatricum botanicum. There you will find a young woman named Ellen Gear. She will teach you the ways of the Shakespeare. She put your um, cloak on and head right um, under the shadows. Mm, mm. Yeah. Head due east, 13 miles when you come. Oh, 13 kilometers. Yeah, we, yeah huh? 17 no. What? That'd be nine miles. What is 1.5 kilometers, by the way? Uh, look, I only know this. 60 miles is 100 Ks. Why? Because you ran it? Yeah. No. Because that's the speed limit in Australia is 100, right? Oh, uh-huh. So you'd, when you're doing uh-huh. 60, you're doing 100. Oh, okay. And so okay. there I gauge my, my speed in the car around that 60 mile. So I like to sit on 80, 85. (laughs) (laughs) You weren't, you didn't have a jacket or a helmet when you came to. It was on the bike. Was it though? (laughs) Both of it? Do you think I just put my cape on and just fucking (laughs) rode as fast as I could through the canyon? Of course, I I had a flannelette shirt on the bike. Okay. It was too hot for my jacket. Okay. And a helmet was there. Oh, wow. This is us. This is, this is, no, no. 
What's he got in his? What's no? We're gonna wrap it up. We should. We're we're wrapping it up. We're we're wrapping it up. David, are we really I wrapping it up? I think we're good though. We've just covered a lot about your beautiful life. Thanks, man. Love you. No, I love you too, and I really appreciate you coming and having a chat to me in the fucking horse's mouth. This is uh, David DeSantos uh, and John Teague signing off. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to that. Sorry about the um, the impromptu kind of weird, just like bang, we're out. Um, that, that was a friend of mine arrived at the door, and um, yeah, it was a fitting time to end. So anyway. Um, Enjoy your sleep if you're sleeping normal times, getting a full sleep. Enjoy it. I'm jealous. Okay, until next time, I would even, I'll just say cow. Cow. Yeah,